Hey, you guys going? That's good. So, yeah, tonight, uh, new series. I'm hitting magnification. Um, thing is, magnification is a big topic. And I have chosen, I think, one of the key things that you need to understand before you can actually grasp the fullness of what magnification is. Anyway, I'm going to just get into it and hopefully it makes sense. <laughs> Have you ever had those moments coming out of a movie like The Avengers or coming off a roller coaster or anything really that has left you feel with this sensation of, wow, that was awesome. That just wrinkled my brain. The moments when the heroes in the cartoon are sliding down the mountain or in danger, it's just quick instincts <laughs> that get them out. And they always respond with, let's do that again. <laughs> I remember when I was in Disney World a few years back. Now, I usually hate heights, but I went on this ride called Tower of Terror. Um, 13 stories high, and you're sitting in this like, cart. I'm there with my dad, my best mate at the time. And you hear this voice through this old speaker. It's like a telephone kind of voice. And it's going, telling you about how this tower got there and why it's haunted and stuff. Ghosts are jumping out at you, skeletons. And then all of a sudden, it's pitch black. And without warning, you drop 13 stories. And you're like, I'm screaming like a little girl. And like, you get to the bottom and you're just like, oh, that's it. Oh, thank goodness. But before you can even say that, you zoom straight back up. In pitch blackness, a door opens, and you're like, oh, there's people. <laughs> and you go straight back down, and then you go back up, and then you go back down, and then you go back up and down again. My mate at the time's just like, oh, that was sick. And I'm going, I'm going I'm to help. <laughs> the point is, do you see that, that thrill and excitement in the moments like that? Maybe it's sport, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's parties, maybe, dare I say, school, uni, work. Anything that really leaves you with a high. <laughs> it's that small sense of not knowing what will happen, but when it happens, it makes a huge, like, it makes it a huge experience or, or thrill. But those things don't last, do they? They come and go. You may watch that movie a hundred times and you can quote the whole movie, know where people are going to jump, but it loses its greatness. The excitement is gone. The thrill and highs of it are no longer there. It's because they're temporary. We're not satisfied. Tonight, my aim is to show from the Bible how great the eternal God is. Now, that would be a long talk if I talked about every aspect of God in detail. So tonight, I'm just presenting a taste of it. One danger to be aware of is that we can treat God like we do those temporary things. We can love God at youth. We can love God at church. But then not even acknowledge him when we're at home or at school or at uni. How does that happen? Three reasons. I reckon. I don't reckon they're all the reasons. And I don't reckon you have all those reasons at the same time. So these reasons are we don't care maybe. We're forgetful sometimes. We only want him when we need him. Or when we want him really. Don't treat 
the eternal God as if he's a little temporary thing. He's the greatest person that we can have a relationship with that will last forever. How can I say that? Well, it comes down to faith and responding to what God has done. Here's a fact. When we see God for who he is, that is clear, clearer, we actually will see ourselves for who we are. This passage, passage that we just heard read shows us many things of what God has done for those who put their trust in him. As we read the passage, did you see? Did you hear how much God has done for you and me if we choose to believe in him? It's hectic. Basically, I could say talk, whoa. Basically, I could say talk done, but I'm not going to. I want to take us in a bit deeper. So two things I'm going to talk about. One, the greatness of who God is and what he's done. And then two, our response, which turns into our purpose. Okay, the greatness of who God is and what he's done. God, where do I begin? It's like trying to define or explain the eternal, infinite, everlasting God from a temporary, small human mind. It's like a blind man trying to explain what an elephant looks like, but he has only the trunk to work off. He doesn't get the full picture of the animal. It's like a child first seeing the sun and thinking, it's small, it hurts to look at, it's yellow and warm. But as the child grows older, and if he pursues this field, it's a burning ball of gas. It's 150 million kilometers away. It can fit one million Earths in it. It emits light and heat. <laughs> this is kind of like what it's like to explain God. As we magnify, we look closer and see or learn more about him, we realize how much bigger and greater God is. It puts in perspective who we are before God. All right, I'll take us through how this passage describes who God is and then why he's done these great things. So check out verse 3. He's called the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blesses us from heaven with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That is, God the Father is in heaven, blessing those of us who are believers in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Verse 4, God has chosen his people before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. Verse 5, God predestined us. Quick aside, predestination, I'm not going to hit it tonight. Um, It's a huge topic. If you want some good talks, hit up the fat talks from last year. And if you want more stuff from Ephesians, hit up the Ephesians talk from fat last year. Back to verse 5. God predestined us to be a part of his family by adopting us through Christ because he willed it and pleasures in it. He loves it. Verse 6, God is a generous giver. God has given grace to us through Christ, which which we will come back to later. Verse 7, redemption and forgiveness are some riches to God's grace. Another way of putting this is, you know those ads on TV that say, buy this item and you get this item totally free and you'll get like all these little perks with it. It's like that except God makes the payment and you get all these sweet things in Christ. Verse 8. God lavishes, abundantly gives these riches or blessings on us with all wisdom and understanding. God is wise and understands everything. 
Verse 9. God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, his plan in Christ. Now, there's a lot of things to say here about God, but I want you to notice something. It's only through and in Christ that we can see these characteristics of God taking place. You can recognize God's love and generous actions in creation. Look at how delicate, how beautiful, how God how great God has made it. Go watch a sunrise or a sunset at the beach and see how the shades of colour hit your eyes, how you see and hear the waves crash, how you feel the coolness of the breeze. Enjoy it. It's good. But enjoy the one who generously gave it, God. But if you want to see a bigger and greater picture of God's grace, come to Christ and give your life to him so that you will see these blessings and riches in a fuller and deeper way. And here's where the why comes in, and we'll go through the last bits of this passage. Verse 10, so that when everything is fulfilled, this is what it's getting at, everything in Christ, in heaven and on earth, will be brought under God. Verse 11 recaps the chosen idea, but the reason why is verse 12. To bring praise to his glory. Then back to us in verse 13. It's like that old spice ad, actually. Look at him. Now back at me. I'm on a horse. (laughs) Verse 14. To the praise of his glory. Verse 3 also starts off with to the praise of his glory. Why has he done all these things? To the praise of his glory. Two things to notice. One. If you do want in on these gifts or blessings, you don't just get them because you want them or you're good enough to get them. The first thing you need is Christ. All these gifts are for those who are in Christ. Did he do these things just to be recognized as a generous God? Yes, but more importantly, he did it because of the glory and praise He gets. It's who God is. He deserves all the glory, all the praise. This leads into point number two, our response, which turns into our purpose. The purpose of this talk is to give you a picture, a glimpse of the eternal God and to hopefully help you respond rightly to him. You'll have the right perspective of who you are compared to who God is, therefore wanting to bring glory and praise to him. That is the purpose of magnification. We look into the greatness of God and respond to it in awe and amazement. We respond to it with wanting to live God's way. Everything you do is meant to bring praise and glory to God alone. Three times in that passage that we just read, verse 3, verse 12, and verse 14, it was said the reason why God did all those things was to bring praise and glory to himself. Not you, not me, but himself. Let that sink in for a little bit. Isn't that selfish? What does he deserve it? Because of what we just looked at. (laughs) And because he created us. He gives us those gifts. He, He gives us gifts every day. Breath of life, sunshine, good waves down at the beach, friendships. 
everything he gives us. But the best thing he gives us is Jesus, his own son. And he definitely deserves the praise and glory because of that. It's like building a toy train that has a mind of its own. You build the train to follow the purpose of going along the track, stopping at all those little stations that you're like, you. If the train decides to go its own way off the tracks and not do what you want, you have every right to destroy it, don't you? But if it, but if it desires to do what it was purposed for, then it glorifies what its purpose is. It magnifies what its purpose is. That's what it's like with God. Our, our purpose is to be in relationship with God to, verse 3, verse 12, and verse 14, bring praise and glory to him. The amount of times it says we receive gifts and blessings because of being in Christ, through Christ, is heaps. Verse 3, verse 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. That's 10 times in this whole passage. Christ is crucial to seeing the greatness of God and to praising and glorifying God. We need Christ because by nature, we don't want to recognize God as God. We don't want the relationship he offers and we don't want to praise and glorify him. We also need God's gift of Christ to bring us back into relationship with God. So if you are checking out Christianity, make sure you find out about who Christ is and what he's done so that you understand why we praise and glorify God. Something we find natural is for us to want the praise and glory for ourselves. It's in everything we do. Sport. The outcome is winning as a team or an individual and being recognized as a good athlete. Relationships, saying nice things, doing the right things by the other person so we can appear great in that person's eyes. Gifts and abilities, being recognized and praised for the musical talent, sporting ability, artistic talent, creativity in general. Religion, doing good things to enter this state of mind, reincarnation, or the afterlife. Work, being seen as diligent. If you like the job, responsible. And they are good things. But notice what's at the center of it all. Me. 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 We magnify, make ourselves greater, rather than God. God gave us those things. Remember those temporary things we were talking about? What does doing all those things actually achieve you? Well, temporarily, possibly fame, possibly a bit of fortune maybe a good lifestyle, but long-term, we'll face the eternal God in judgment. Christianity says it's not about us. It's about God and the relationship we need with him. And it's been done by him, not by us. He's perfect and a gracious God. It's us choosing to believe in his free gift, Jesus. It doesn't matter how much good you do. You still do bad things. But if you are in Christ, believing in Christ like Ephesians is getting at, you're safe. Because Jesus took on the punishment that we deserved at the cross so we can have a relationship with God. 
it's done. It's about believing in Jesus' death and resurrection and what that achieves, that brings you to God. It's not if you know of Christ or you think you know him, but if you are in Christ, you know Christ. So I've got four questions for you to consider. What does Jesus mean to me? Therefore, how do I view God? Therefore, how do I view myself? Therefore, what is my life centered around? I'll give you some possible answers. If you answer the first one with, he means nothing to me. And the second answer will be the same. Then the third would go along, I'm pretty good. Then the fourth will be either yourself, someone, or something else. Here's the warning. Like Mumford and Son sing, you were made to meet your maker. Are you going to reject this free gift and keep working hard only to meet God in judgment? Or are you, verse 7 of Ephesians 1, going to accept the forgiveness of sins that God offers freely in Jesus? Because if you answer those four questions with something like this, Jesus is my king. He is my saviour. God is great, awesome, gracious. It will lead you to saying, I'm nothing. I'm nothing before him. I'm humbled before him, which will lead to my life centers around him. I'm made to praise and glorify him in everything I do. You will see life in the light of eternity and want to live this life now differently in wanting to bring glory to God in everything you do. Have you ever thought about why we sing at youth, why we pray, why we read the Bible, meet together, have G-teams, give to the work work of this youth, and why we tell our friends about Jesus? Yeah, it's to bring God glory. But that comes about by seeing the greatness of God rightly explained. So we respond to God rightly. We sing because we see or understand God to be all those things we've looked at and more that I haven't had time to explain. Therefore, in gratitude for what he's done, we praise him in song. We pray because it's relationally talking to God to ask him for help and thanking him for everything we have. Read the Bible. We want to grow in knowledge and and understanding of him. Meeting together to encourage one another to love each other and love and obey God more. Give money and support because you want to see God's saving work spread to your friends. Telling your friends because you want them to glorify and praise God also. As we do these things, what will distract and stop you from participating in them? Don't let it be friends. Don't let it be family. Don't let it be work. Don't let it be jobs. Realize who God is and what he's done. Say sorry. Live to serve, love, and obey him. You can think you can fully understand God and comprehend him, which can make you feel nothing towards him. That's dangerous. That will lead to you facing God as judge. Do you want that? Ask for help now. Don't leave it till later. Ask the leaders or friends around, how do I have the right perspective of God? Come chat to me after. Come pray with me after. I'm 
actually going to be hanging around up the back if you want to come do that. If you have questions, if I haven't made myself clear in this talk, which I probably haven't, come chat with me. I'd love to answer any questions or just chat about this stuff. I'll finish with this. Our lives, when seeing God rightly, will lead us to see ourselves rightly, which therefore will lead us to praise, magnify, glorify God. Do you get the taste of how great the eternal God is? Let's talk to that God now. Dear Heavenly Father, when we get a glimpse of you and your glory, it shows us for what we are, nothing, sinful, selfish people. Forgive us of this. We see and desire, we see and desire to see the greatness of who you are. Thank you for all the gifts you give us, but especially for Christ, for his death and resurrection. And if we are in him and we believe in him, we're saved. Help us to desire, to want to glorify, praise you. Pray this in your son's name. Amen.